What's up, guys? Constitutional lawyer Mike Yoder here, and this is Legally Armed. Inaugural episode, guys. Thank you for joining me. It's been a long time coming that I've thought about launching a podcast, and I decided to finally pull the trigger with Legally Armed. So today, the first episode, the number one thing that I want to do is give everyone an overview of why I'm doing this, who I am, and the projections and plans for Legally Armed going into the future. For those of you that don't know, like I said, I'm a constitutional attorney. I've sued the shit out of Biden multiple times. Each time I have successfully won, uh, been one of the main lawyers involved in COVID-19 litigation since the outset. It took me nine minutes after Biden announced the federal vaccine mandate for me to tweet publicly that I was going to sue the shit out of him. 13 days later, I filed a 224-page lawsuit in federal court, and that lawsuit was just dismissed two weeks ago, I want to say, because it was moot now that the DOD rescinded its vaccine mandate for all service members. Now, before anyone gets into it further, yes, I know that one of the most prevailing comments that I see on this is, well, the damage has already been done or it's too late. Well, this podcast, one of the other things I'm going to do is explain the legal process and help people understand how the courts work, how you navigate through the courts, because it's not a quick process whatsoever. And then the intricacies that go into the military on top of that just make it an entire whirlwind. But I'll save that for later. Right now, though, I want to give you guys a little bit of a background on me. Um, some of you have probably seen me speak before. Some of you have probably heard some of this before. But, you know, I, I really wanted to understand better. And I went through a lot of introspection and prayer and just trying to figure out how the hell did I end up where I am right now? I thought that I was just a normal kid that went to school, stayed near home and went to college went to law school, started working in DC at a personal injury firm. And the next thing you know, here I am on a podcast and somehow you're listening to me and I don't even know who the hell you are, but somehow you know who I am and you found this podcast. And hopefully I've in some way been able to give you some sort of information or help you along the way. And, you know, I'm honored and glad that you're listening, but it's wild to me to think about the fact that there's people out there that know me that I don't know. Like, I still feel as if I'm a central Pennsylvania, rural, you know, young adult. But, you know, I used to entirely just deflect and ignore the fact that I was out here helping people. And I'm not saying this to come off braggadocious. I'm coming at this from an angle of trying to relay a sentiment of not only appreciation, but just truth. And what I mean by that is that we so often avoid the truth in various ways because either it's easier or it's ugly and you don't want someone else to know that or third, we can't look ourselves in the mirror and grow a set and just come out with it. The biggest 
issue that we have right now, in my opinion, is our society lacks strong-willed men. And I know that this is probably going to be a controversial statement, but men and women aren't equal, in my opinion. I, I do not believe that we are equal. God created two genders, only two, because we are able to do very different things. A woman has the hardest job on earth, being a mother, raising a child, giving birth, taking care of another life. There is nothing more difficult than being a mom. I don't care what your job is. Secondly, there are things that men can do that women can't do. Just ask Mr. Leah Thomas. Yeah, I mean, when you're built like a man, because you are a man, you're probably going to swim faster than women. And like, to realize that there are some girls that were training for, what, two decades of their life, you're what, 18 to 22, if you go straight through with undergrad, you train for 18 to 20 years, maybe, of your life swimming just to have some deranged dude jump in a pool with you and knock you out of a podium or knock you out of going to championships or whatever it may be. I mean, that's messed up. But then it it didn't even stop at the pool. Then it went to the locker rooms. It went to schools. It went to older men and younger women, then minors and older men. And now we're seeing it in locker rooms and they're defending on the basis that they can't discriminate. It's pretty wild to think about how quickly our society runs downhill. I mean, back in 1940s, we had 17-year-olds lying about their age to go to war, knowing damn well they were going to get their heads blown off. But they didn't care. They wanted to fight for our country. Now, 17-year-olds are dancing on TikTok. They can't function if they lose their cherry-flavored vape under the car seat. They have no respect for elders. They have no work ethic. They have no drive. Their sense of entitlement is second to none. And there's a lot of good parents out there that the education system just snuck this by. It's not going to happen with elementary school kids, I don't think, because I think a lot of parents are aware of what's going on. But that, you know, 14 to 17, I'd even say, you know, it could trickle into college a little bit, 14 years old to maybe, what, 20? Right now, that's six years. That generation is a mess, man. I mean, when I was that age, I was, I mean, I'm not going to say what I was doing. I wasn't doing anything bad, but I definitely was not doing dances on TikTok. I was probably outside riding a dirt bike. I was playing sports. I, let's just say I had much different interests than what I see today. I don't know how they snuck this by us, but it was definitely orchestrated. And it, it really goes back. I mean, there's so much evidence of this. 
you can see it in the indoctrination in organizations like NAIS, the National Association of Independent Schools. They indoctrinate kids. They're the, you know, head of the snake, so to speak, of the private schools throughout the country. This whole notion of equality and fairness is what's ruining our country. America is a country of equal opportunity. It's not a country of equal outcome. Everyone should be entitled to the same opportunities. They're not entitled to the same outcome, though. They started giving out participation trophies when I was a little kid in soccer. And that shit pissed me off because I'm like, I don't want a trophy for playing. I also don't even want to shake the other team's hand if I lose because, no, it wasn't a good game and you're making me mouth the shit. You're making me say, good game, good game. No, it wasn't a good game. I lost. That being said, you know, point aside, we have been conditioned to accept failure. And if we don't succeed in life, it's okay because there's 50 other different little groups we can join. But those 50 other little groups aren't comprised of the most successful people because there's only one group of successful people. And that's those who are successful, no pun intended, not just sound circular, but you're either successful or you're not. You either work hard, you earn it, or you don't. But a lot of people don't like the fact that they can't be successful. So they make their own little group because it's about feelings. It's about feeling important and, and being special. Not that they earned it. Well, I mean, there's some people out there that definitely earned being special. I mean, if you see some of the stuff that these kids are wearing anymore, holy shit. But what I really want to hit at on this podcast is not only the legal lens of things, but I also want to hit at the fact that I'm just like you. And there's a lot of other people just like you. Every single one of us has gone through hell and back over the last three years during COVID. And there's still people out there that are willing to champion the narrative despite every single quote-unquote conspiracy theory being debunked and proven. People are literally dying because of these vaccines. And the left would rather beat the drum of their narrative because they are so weak, going back to what I was talking about earlier, they are so weak they can't even acknowledge the truth because either one, they got played so bad, it's so embarrassing, they can't reconcile with that internally, or two, they helped orchestrate it. Now, I don't think that the world is full of evil people. I genuinely think that a lot of people want to do good. I do genuinely believe that most people are good people, but monsters do exist. Not enough of them to carry this out on a wide scale or a global platform, though. But what really did carry it out, those that are most culpable, are the everyday average hardworking person who just blindly complied, followed orders, didn't push back, didn't want to risk their job, didn't want to take chances, didn't want to lose their career. They were fearful. They could come up with whatever excuse they want. The bottom line is, is that the evil people made them do their dirty work. 
and they carried out the pandemic because they were too weak to say, fuck this. I'm not complying because it was easier to bury their head in the sand. That's how we got here. People caved getting the shot that didn't want to get the shot. Why? I know you have to provide for your family, but get creative. If inmates in a prison cell can transfer cocaine through pipelines by taking threads out of the bed sheets and twisting them up in the toilet, knowing that's going to get caught in the other sheets, then letting go and pulling it through. These are like sub 80 IQ individuals. You can make money. I don't want to hear it. The bottom line is everyone had a choice. No one was forced to get vaccinated. But a lot of people made the choice to do so. And I respect the choice if you did so. But I don't want to hear every single person now bitching because of where they are and still losing their job or whatever it may be. We need strong people and strong people have to make sacrifices. Now, on the flip side of that, I have seen a hell of a lot of people lose their jobs because they refuse to get vaccinated. And my question here is, what further proof of the sincerity with which someone holds their religious belief do you need than them willing to lose their job in the middle of a pandemic, knowing damn well that they're not going to get hired anywhere else because everyone else is doing the same thing? Is there any greater example of the sincerity of one's religious belief? Because I can't think of one unless you're, you know, Tiananmen Square. I mean, unless you're willing to literally be killed, you're giving up everything, your career, putting your family in jeopardy. But the one thing that always prevails is God. And I had a, you know, I had a very tattered relationship with the Lord my, my whole life. I grew up going to a Catholic school. I hated religion because I felt as though the priest was interfering with my relationship with God. I felt as though instead of it being an A and B conversation with the church over to the side there to give me direction and guidance if I need it, they acted as a door or a gatekeeper, or a bouncer that I had to get through in order to speak to God. And lo and behold, first priest goes to jail for pedophilia, touching little boys. New guy comes in. This one's Father Shannon. And right in stride, boom. He's a pedo too. So I said, okay, you know what? Fuck this. I'm leaving the Catholic Church. I'm going to go to church with my best friend. He's a Lutheran. It's 15 minutes away. Let's go do this. And again, this was probably sixth grade, seventh grade. My mom agreed to take me and, and allowed to uh, and allow me to go to Lutheran church. And she decided to go with me as well. And, you know, her whole thing was, it's just important that you're seeking this out and, and, you know, being with God, of course, nothing ever impacted me. I was never in any situation, not even remotely close to being involved with the other two Catholic priests, but I go to this Lutheran church, you know, 15 minutes away. Also main reason I wanted to go is because they had better food afterward. Like they had these dank cookies and, I don't know what it was, but they always just had like bomb food after church. And my best friend was there and there was occasionally a laugh in church. And I don't know how many of you are Catholic, but if you ever laughed in church, it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like a mortal sin or for something. I guess you're not allowed to have joy, uh, whatever. Point being is that, you know, 
going to Lutheran church and that pastor goes to jail for being a pedo too. So I'm Owen three with priests or pastors. And at that point I'm like, is God even real? Like why, why are we being subjected to this? And I just abandoned it. I didn't go to church anymore. I was like, this is stupid. I don't listen anyways. My ADD has me, you know, doing everything I can. I'm counting the lines of wood in the, you know, in the pews in front of me because I am so bored. And I haven't had enough life yet or life experience yet to really correlate or relate to the lessons that are being taught. And I'm not allowed to talk to my friend because that's disrespectful. Food's not ready yet. I mean, shit, church was boring. But then when I was 13... I started losing family members and I didn't have a big family to begin with. Most of you guys know I'm adopted. I have a mom and a dad, both of which were 45, uh, 45, 46 when I was, when I was two days old, when I was born and they're getting older. Uh, I just had to fly back to see my, my dad. He had surgery. When I say had to fly back, I'm not saying that I don't want to see my parents. I'm saying that it was unfortunate that he had to go into surgery because of his cancer. Um, you know, the day that I was flying back home to see him. And, and that was just in, in January. But, you know, I started losing family members. I'm like, why is God doing this to me? Why is he taking people away from me? And then I grew older, didn't think anything of it. You know, a long time passed. And then all of a sudden, I was laying there on the couch one night and I thought to myself, what do I have to look forward to? What am I looking forward to? And this is in COVID. This is, you know, 2020. I genuinely couldn't think of something that I was looking forward to. And, you know, I don't sleep on the couch. If I fall asleep on the couch, I always, you know, wake up at some point and get back in bed. I never sleep the whole way through the night on the couch. But the night that I asked myself that question laying on my couch in my apartment in D.C., I woke up the next morning to like birds chirping on the couch, bright lights. I, I didn't close the shades in my living room. And I'm like, what happened? I, mean, I think it was like a Tuesday. Like I never left. I wasn't drunk. I didn't drink anything, frankly. Um, I would just woke up and birds chirping. I was just in a good mood, well rested. I ordered a bagel sandwich and it was just fire. It was like the best bagel sandwich from this place I've ever had. Bethesda bagels. It's, I mean, they're, they're delicious. If anyone's from DC, I know that you know what Bethesda bagels are. Anyways. Like the day just started off good and I was just grooving. I was just getting work done. I was just banging out briefs. I was getting the emails that I needed to get in. Everything was just lockstep. It was just a good day. And then I thought, what's going on? And and I hadn't had one of these days in a long time. And then I realized what I asked last night. It was, what do I have to look forward to? And And the answer that I got out of that was, I don't know what it is that I have to look forward to, but I have life and that's nothing to you know, take lightly. I, I can look forward to the fact that I'm alive and I'm giving, you know, every day, every, you know, effort that I can to get better. And I started praying again. I started getting closer to God after that because I realized that, you know, holy shit, there's like what, I don't know, 8 billion people in the world. And that's it. Like, that's the only number of people that have received the gift of life, which is the only vehicle to get to heaven. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, 8 billion is a lot. I mean, if it, it, that's an incredible number when you think about it, but it all depends on the lens. And one of my favorite quotes is, when you can't change the world, change the eyes with which you look at it. It'll give you a much different perspective. I'll talk about that later. But 
you know, 8 billion people. And if you don't have life, then how are you ever going to get to heaven? It's the greatest gift that can be given to you. And as someone that's adopted, makes me wonder how anybody thinks that abortion is justifiable when what you're doing is nothing more than taking away that gift of life that God blessed a baby with. And I mean, the same goes for murderers too, but abortion, they didn't even have a chance. They didn't have a chance. Oh, well, it's for the woman's health or, you know, my body, my choice. Okay, well, what about that baby's body? And speaking of choices, I don't know, abstinence, birth control, condoms. And before people get into this, oh, they don't always work. Okay, look up the percentage of abortions that are the result of defective contraceptive use. If you can find a statistically significant number, just let me know. Otherwise, shut the fuck up. Number two, you can give a baby up for adoption. So, I mean, what we got now? Pills, IUDs, shots, abstinence, condoms, adoption. How many choices do you need? Why does murder have to be one of them? And if healthcare is what you're going to claim abortion is, then why is it that someone who kills a pregnant woman gets charged with two counts of criminal homicide? Have you ever asked yourself that one? No, it's laws that only apply when it fits the agenda of what they're trying to do. And speaking of that, you know, the context behind all this is if you ever look into the case law surrounding how we ever got to the point of, you know, abortion and partial partial, excuse me, partial birth abortion bans and things like that. You know, the, the first case I want to mention is Griswold v. Connecticut, which was a case dealing with the statewide prohibition of contraceptives back in the 60s. And it was a religious-based legislature at the time. They essentially said, you know, if you're engaging in intercourse, you, you know, you shouldn't be fearful of whether you have a child or not. That's what God wants you to do. And you're not supposed to be having intercourse if you're not married. So why is there any for contraceptives? Okay, logic applies there. There's obviously no pragmatism, but nonetheless, they sued, you know, citizens sued and said, you can't regulate whether I'm able to take a contraceptive or not because I have a fundamental right to liberty. The question was, can you have liberty without privacy? And the privacy being infringed on by the government, whereas they're regulating contraceptives which is something that becomes necessary or intimate when engaging in intercourse behind closed doors with your significant other or spouse. I can't think of anything that's more private than that. And it's a very fair question. Can you have liberty if you don't have privacy? I do not think so. The court didn't think so. And they, you know, voila, developed the fundamental right to privacy, which didn't exist in 1905, which is when Jacobson v. Massachusetts was the vaccine case that came down. I'll talk more about Jacobson towards the end of this, but you know, okay, now they strike this down saying the government can't regulate contraceptives for, you know, across the board. Then it comes to Massachusetts and a non-married couple sued over this Massachusetts law saying, okay, well, fine. Massachusetts legislature goes, if we can't ban contraceptives statewide, then that's fine. We'll just 
you know, we can afford them to married people, but you still shouldn't be having sex if you're not married. Well, guess what just came out of this Massachusetts case? Now you have marriage as a protected class. But wait, don't fundamental rights apply to everyone? Okay, so guess who files suit next? Minors. Why? Well, they have a fundamental right to liberty, and liberty includes privacy. So what if minors want contraceptives? Do you see where this is going? Do you see how the slippery slope progresses? And there's not really an easy way to just draw a clear delineated line as to when it goes too far. You know it when you see it, but you don't really understand how it got there. So, you know, these progeny of cases, and it leads me to explain to you the one reason that abortion will never, ever, ever, ever be able to be answered in a way that satisfies both the pro-life and the pro-choice crowd. And that's because if you can't regulate contraceptives, which is something that prohibits or prevents uh, when, when effective, when properly, when properly used, it prevents birth. However, the reason you can't regulate them as a government entity is because you can't regulate the act of engaging in intercourse. So if you can't regulate a prohibition or a preventative on the front end, how can you regulate the natural and probable result that transpires on the back end, which is the, you know, the the conception of a child. And the my body, my choice is a brilliant argument, but it's so watered down and so distilled and no one actually explains it. And that's why abortion is such a hot topic is because it's very emotional, but no one actually has ever broken it down and looked into it logically to understand it. And I'm the most fundamentally pro-life person that you're going to find. I don't believe in any exception for abortion because that's what God has blessed a to-be-born child with. And humans are inherently selfish, but I don't think that I could ever be selfish enough to choose a aspect of my life over the ability of someone else to have one unless it was self-defense or the, you know, bad actor did something to deserve it, but to do it to an innocent life is insane to me. But that being said, the reason that this is so fundamental and go back to what I said about the minors issue is that minors don't, you know, necessarily have a choice, but neither do babies. And babies also have that fundamental right to liberty, but they also have a fundamental right to life. So in exercising the mother's fundamental right to liberty by and through privacy, i.e. an abortion, the very act of exercising that fundamental right is violating the fundamental right to life of the child. So the quintessential issue becomes when does that life exist? And courts have grappled with this for a while, but there's no way that you can ever have the two contemporaneously and coexist because the exercise of the child's or unborn child's right to life is going to directly conflict with the mother's exercise of our fundamental right to liberty by and through privacy and vice versa. When you look at it from that lens, you can see why it's so hard to grapple with in a court. The last thing that I want to bring up is that the goal of this podcast is not just to lecture people. I'm not going to be on here by myself. This is an inaugural episode. I just want to show you guys 
how complex certain issues can be. I also want to highlight certain cases, get you guys thinking with critical thought. I mean, we all know not only is common sense dead, critical thinking is, I mean, thinking in general is like on the cusp of extinction, but if you talk to anyone anymore, oh, you're Democrat or Republican, conservative, liberal, you're pro-Trump or a rhino. It's like, shut up. Like, why are we trying to put ourselves into these boxes? Why are we trying to say everything is like a light switch? You're black, white, old, young, straight, gay, Republican, Democrat, good, bad. I mean, no. Like, like the spectrum of life in terms of the complexities is just enormous. Yet we confine ourselves to these irrelevant categoricals. And you'll see this with the Republicans and conservatives and, and like getting pissed off because someone doesn't agree with something. I mean, the fact that we are even debating over the, the Steven Crowder Daily Wire shit, it's like, I don't care. I don't know. Like, have you seen what's going on in Ukraine? Have you looked at the economy recently? What about, you know, FTX? Are you concerned about war? What about the WEF? Have you guys noticed that eggs are through the roof? Another egg, you know, farm caught fire recently. They're trying to give kids bugs. They're letting them mutilate their genitals. Like, I don't give a fuck about the Steven Crowder and Daily Wire contract. Frankly, it, it makes no sense to me. Like, worry about your own life. Focus on it. But do it with critical thought. And when you do actually take these things into consideration, speak up. Have the balls to say things. I'm going to be bringing on a super exciting guest next week that most of you guys probably already know and follow. I'm not going to ruin the surprise, but again, legally armed is not just about the law. It's also about life. And I'm going to talk about all the shit that your parents and your mother told you never to talk about. Mainly because when I thought about it, what were the four main things? Religion, sex, politics, money. Oh, you mean the four things that effectively control our entire lives? Hmm. Isn't that interesting that we're not supposed to ever talk about the things that control us? Well, I'm going to, and I encourage each one of you guys to talk about it as well. So I don't know how frequently these episodes are going to come out yet. This is, again, the first one. I just want you guys to get a little taste of how I'm going to mix that legal lens in with some life experience, with some, you know, just difficult topics to grapple with, but you can see that you can digest it in a way that is very non-confrontational, despite the fact that I'm hyper-aggressive with lawsuits and especially stupid policies and, and politicians. I mean, we can, we'll get into that at some point in this, in this series, trust me. But start having these conversations. Stop being afraid. Do something. Say something. Speak up. Someone's got to say it. Why can't that person be you ask yourself these questions tune in next episode thank you guys for joining me for the inaugural episode this is constitutional lawyer mike yoder and this has been legally armed